Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. This week on Not Sam Wrestling, we're taking a listen to the live event that went down. It was Not Sam Wrestling. It was the major wrestling figure podcast. Kurt Hawkins, Zack Ryder, Hornswoggle, Maven, everybody was there and will be listening. We're going to break down Fastlane and everything that went down this week in the state of wrestling. Let's get it started. It's Not Sam Wrestling. is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, busy, busy week. But never too busy for not Sam Wrestling. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Happy to be here with you. You know, here in the not Sam studio, it's also my... uh, my uh, Not Sam Terror Dome. Not Sam Studio is a it's a giant room. On one end, it's a full-fledged audio-video professional broadcaster, last professional broadcaster studio, where I do this show uh, out of. If you want to see all the videos that we do out of the studio for Not Sam Wrestling, you got to sign up to Patreon. Patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. But it's also where I keep my collection. All my wrestling figures are down here. My mannequin with the ring-worn gold dust outfit. A ton of live event chairs. I got my sneaker collection down here. I got my TV. I got all I got I got all my photos of everything. I got my Bruce White original painted acrylic on velvet WWE paintings from Gallery's 1988 Velvet Mania shows. I got Owen Hart, Undertaker, Rock, Sasha Banks. I got everything down here. But I'm, I'm, I'm reorganizing everything. I'm moving the, the, the collectibles out of one side of the room and moving them to the side of the room where the TV and the couch and all the lounge stuff was. And I'm moving the TV and the couch and the lounge stuff over to where all the figures are now. So literally everything in the room has to be moved. And at the moment, it's a disaster area. Thank God the studio is quarantined off because it's my one solace. Although, like, to the left of me right now is the Mattel uh, ring that they made, the, the Monday Night Raw wing, ring that lights up and everything. And on the right of me is the Mattel retro ring that looks like the old Hasbro ring. I mean, there's stuff everywhere. So hopefully over the next couple of weeks, I'll actually be able to get everything cleaned up and make this place livable again. That's the goal. We'll see if we get there. But in the meantime, I'm going to live vicariously through you and all your beautiful, clean, wonderful places of business and leisure and living. Okay? And that's all we're trying to do. Speaking of wrestling figures, you know, I got all my wrestling figures on display. Well, not all of them. Not nearly all of them. But many of them. And I'm going through all my old figures and cleaning them up and I'm uh, uh, um, recollecting stuff. And it's really getting absurd. But the reason I'm doing all that is because I was inspired by uh, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder and their podcast, the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. 
Um, I've been at war with them. It's been no secret for the last couple of months. Some of you have been enjoying it. Some of you have been suffering through it. Some of you have been indifferent. But I'm happy to announce that the beef is indeed over. I did the intro for their podcast last week. Uh, I'm sure they'll talk about it this week. But the beef that was, uh, I mean, it was, it was pretty brutal. You know, the shots that were going back and forth, not only on our podcast, but on social media, it was a lot. Quite frankly, it was exhausting. I'm glad to be done with the bitter, bitter rivalry. Uh, and it all culminated at a live event on Caroline's on Broadway. We were able to squash the beef and we were able to move forward as friends at that great live show. I appreciate uh, any and all of you that turned up to Caroline's uh, last week to watch that show live. It really was an amazing thing to be a part of. And I was getting booed out of the building, but I know that a lot of you were there. You know how I know that? Because I taught you all. You got to boo the bad guy. And in that moment, I was indeed the villain. And I think I did earn my boos and came out of it on top. And I appreciate uh, I appreciate everything. And I wanted to share some of that with you today. Now, there's a couple of things I want to share with you today. I'm going to share with you. Um, I'm going to share with you the live event. That was the plan going in. But, you know, we lost uh, a couple of people this week. First of all, we lost King Kong Bundy. And that's a real shame. You know, uh, I never interviewed King Kong Bundy, but I did meet him as a little kid. Somewhere I've got a Polaroid of me when I was probably like uh, 12. I look like I'm about 8, but I've got a D-Generation X Suck It t-shirt on. And uh, I'm at an independent show. It was in New Rochelle, New York, I believe. Um, in, you know, a, a high school gym somewhere. And King Kong Bundy was on the show. And they were offering in-ring photo ops for however much they were. Polaroids. I gotta find the Polaroid is the thing. But I'll never forget that moment because not only did I get a picture with King Kong Bundy and he wrapped his hands around my neck and it was the coolest thing in the world because this wasn't that far removed. This was like, you know, it was years, but not that many years removed from his run in the WWE with the Million Dollar Corporation. But not only was that the first time that I met King Kong Bundy, but it was the first time that I actually stepped foot into a wrestling ring. And any of you guys that are fans, and I would expect that you are all huge fans of pro wrestling, you know, especially when you're a kid, all you want to do is feel what the what does the canvas feel like? What do the ropes feel like? What does the apron feel like? I mean, for me, I was always such a fan that I would get starstruck just on the on the on the physical things. Like I wouldn't just get starstruck looking at wrestlers. I would get starstruck looking at ring steps. I would get starstruck looking at the bell. And when I'm staring at a wrestling ring and it's right there in front of me in real life, it was mind blowing. I was, have been, still am, always will be obsessed with professional wrestling on a whole nother level. I realized that recently. I was getting starstruck by the ring itself and still do to some extent to this day. You know, just like reaching your hand out and you get to touch like the corner post. It's mind-blowing. But it was super mind-blowing as a kid. So I got to go in there and meet him and I remember just, he was, uh, he, was a, he was a nice guy, he was a sweetheart. But, you know, you talk about guys that made an impact and uh, boy did he. Main event of WrestleMania 2 only to come back years later and, uh, be, be the huge heavy in the Million Dollar Corporation, um, he'll be sorely missed. King Kong Bundy will be sorely, sorely missed. And of course, he was the inspiration for the Bundys on Married with Children. Al Bundy, Peggy Bundy, um, uh, Kelly Bundy, Bud Bundy, 
named after the name Bundy was named after King Kong Bundy. The creators of that show were huge wrestling fans. So real shame that we lost King Kong Bundy uh, over the week. We also lost Luke Perry, which I don't know how many people, you know, his son was just signed to AEW. Jungle Boy is Luke Perry's son. But I don't know uh, how many of you guys know what a big wrestling fan he was. Um, a, a while back, he was on the wrestling podcast. I had him on. The whole interview is on YouTube. Um, and what I'm going to do this week is share some of that interview. I, I cut a, a, a portion of that interview, mainly the wrestling-heavy portion, where he's talking about meeting and working with Vince McMahon, where he's talking about what an influence Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair were on him, even as an actor. Stuff that you would never guess about Luke Perry. But it's also a great insight because you get to hear the way he feels about, uh, uh, you know, his son being a wrestling fan and and, and how, what his responsibility in passing that down. He just, the way he was talking... He sounded like a great father. The couple of times I met him, he was an absolutely phenomenal man. Uh, And it really is a shame again. I mean, it's just so sad to lose guys like that. So we will uh, be listening to a portion of that Luke Perry interview later in the show. If you've already heard it or you just want to look it up on YouTube or whatever, you can skip it. Um, But I just thought it was now was the time. Uh, to share that again with everybody in case anybody forgot. And I didn't put, you know, Luke Perry's name in the title of the show or, or you know, kind of plaster it everywhere because I didn't want this to be about capitalizing off of that. I just thought that, that this would be a good moment to, to share it. That's why um, he's not the main guest because I didn't want to go like, hey, I've got a Luke Perry interview. I just think that that's, uh, that's kind of a, a not cool thing to do. But what was cool was doing the live event with Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder at Caroline's last week. Um, What we've got for you today, and this video will be available on the Not Sam YouTube channel within the next couple weeks. If you're a subscriber on Patreon, patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, you can watch the video immediately. Um, We've got Hornswoggle on stage with us to start the whole thing off. Uh, It was myself, Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, and Hornswoggle sitting down. Uh, and just chatting it up, just hanging. You get to hear some great stories. And then you'll hear it. Hornswoggle takes a powder. He leaves. And after Hornswoggle walks off, I talk to uh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins for a little while. Until Zack Ryder, and great great stories out of them, until Zack Ryder introduces the world to his surprise. I mean, not, not to this. Kurt Hawkins introduces the world to the surprise that he brought for Zack Ryder. And that surprise is Maven. And when I tell you Maven stole the show, Maven stole the show. I mean, it's 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 incredible. Wait till you hear Maven's stories. You will not, you have no idea how much you wanted to hear Maven's stories. And you'll hear him. I got to get Maven on the podcast for an extended interview because uh, he, 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 he tore the house down. So we're going to hear it. We're going to start with Hornswoggle, move on to just Hawkins and Ryder, into Maven, and then we'll be back. Here it is this week, the interview. On Not Sam Wrestling, my new best friends in podcasting, Kurt Hawkins, Zach Ryder, and friends. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. Swaggle, you've become a pretty. Shut the fuck up. You got it. <laughs> no, he's, Sam's on our side now. Oh, sorry. Relax. Keep relax, talking. Sam. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've been you've become a pretty big part of the major wrestling figure podcast. Amazingly, I can say it very easily now. Yeah. Right. I know the name and everything. <laughs> Uh, it does. The major wrestling figure podcast. You know, you're on the t-shirts. Yep. You know, are you a figure fan? I am. Oh. I actually wait, sold. Wait, one second, guys. One second. 
He's on our T-shirt. Yeah. I don't. Do you know what the T-shirt is? Well, if I'm not mistaken, I know I was a big collector. So you know, when I was growing up, no. you had to get the Sean Playgirl, right? You did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of course, you did. The, the, don't. The, hold on. The night I realized I fell in love with my girlfriend Chelsea, I had a little house party. It was called uh, what was An the Evening with the Boys and Zack Ryder's Toys. Yeah. <laughs> and the next day, I woke up to all these photos, and one of them was Hornswoggle naked. Laying down HBK Playgirl style with the internet title <laughs> covering his midget penis. Yeah. <laughs> Midget's penis. There's a apostrophe. Yes. Oh, it's a midget penis, like a little small penis. <laughs> it's not what Chelsea saw that night. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Swaggle, you did strip naked and pose with the intercontinent uh, the internet championship. Yeah. What's uh, what am I supposed to do at Broski's party? Yeah, uh, uh, well, now that you said that, you also patrolled the halls butt naked with only a proton pack. He was, so guys, <laughs> this son of a bitch. What'd you use for the zapper? Which, which Zach will correct me and say it's a real proton, real proton pack. It is a real proton pack. To shoot real ghosts. <laughs> it lights up, it plays the music, it's good for the kids. Sweet, my nine-year-old has one too. He was so angry, he gets it. How dare you put on my fucking proton pack. You and your doo-doo chocolate fingers putting on my fucking proton pack. He was more upset over this than when his, you know, hair treatment didn't work quite well. Oh. 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 oh hi, nice. Sam. That's How are you? That's not nice to my friend, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Yeah, you got it. I got your back, dude. So... <laughs> So, if you, as a, as a, but as a collector, it seems like you don't have a tremendous amount of respect for other people's collections in the sense that you're walking around with doo-doo chocolate fingers putting on proton packs. Guys, this, this fucking doo-doo chocolate fingers has to stop. <laughs> this is the worst thing. I, I listen, I support my best friends and Zach. I support, <laughs> I support them. I listen every, every Friday morning and every week Doo-doo chocolate fingers. <laughs> doo-doo chocolate fingers. Doo-doo chocolate... It drives me crazy so much so my son goes, Dad? You got doo-doo and chocolate on your fingers? He's ruining my life. He's forcing well, me to drink. But, but he's now, not... Now I feel bad. I stole that line from Eastbound and Down when the kids are on his jet ski and says, Get off you with your doo-doo and chocolate all over <laughs> But you haven't yet denied that good, there was so. indeed doo-doo and chocolate on your fingers. I'll never deny it. Well, okay, good. <laughs> That'd make me a liar, Sam. <laughs> I'm not I, a liar. I, good for you. Thank I you. I bought yeah. a large lot of uh, Jack's classic superstars from Hornswoggle, and that's the thing. I didn't trust him because I collect loose. I'm a loose guy. I let him breathe. Right. But I didn't trust him to open them up. I didn't trust his dirty, <laughs> disgusting hands <laughs> to touch the figures and, he, tu and touch the accessories. He actually oh. said. He actually said to us, to Hawkins and I, touch them as little as possible. <laughs> that's like what. Take, that's like what you're when you're ten. Yeah. When your friends come over, like I've what? never again. I've never said that to my own son. Yeah. Just don't touch that a lot. Just just. <laughs> <laughs> Take photos and sell it to me. Don't touch it, though. <laughs> so you're the type of collector that allows your son uh, to, to put his doo-doo chocolate fingers on your collection? Oh, my son has doo-doo chocolate fingers now, Oh, Sam? no, I just thought it... You fucking oh, doink-haired son of a you bitch. You do hate kids. I thought it was genetic. You I thought do it was hate kids. I swear to God, Sam, I'll get Bianca Belair on your ass so fucking fast. <laughs> no, I don't need that. I don't need that. I thought it was genetic. That's my mistake. 
That's my mistake. I apologize. Oh, th th that's genetic? Doo-doo <laughs> chocolate is genetic? I don't know. Watch this, Beef. It's all good. I'm guys. sorry, Zach. He started it. I'm going to have to do another show with Swaggle after this. Yeah. <laughs> but you'll, will you allow your, your son to uh, put his very clean hands on your collection? Oh, I don't have a collection anymore. I'm a goddamn grown-ass man. Half-grown-ass man. <laughs> so... No, you have that whole bin of bone crunchers at your house. A lot of Muppet stuff these and days. I, I, <laughs> so here's a question I have for you, Broski. Is, what is the most expensive piece in your collection? Expensive like the most I paid for it or the yep. most that it's worth? No, the most nope. you paid. Ooh, uh, I think the most I paid for a single figure. You want me to say it right here? I do. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, who, who likes numbers? Uh, yeah! <laughs> he has never told me the exact amount. What's the exact amount? The, the, the highest amount? Are we talking about Greg? No, we're Greg, talking about Greg. Greg. I got for a steal. Woo! Steal! <laughs> well, steal, everybody! Okay, well, let's start there. I didn't know there was one worse than that. Down payment on a house. You're talking. Wait, you're talking. Steal. You're talking Greg the Hammer Valentine. I a huge lot from an ex Hasbro employee. I spent a lot of money on the lot, mm -hmm. but I kept what I wanted and sold the rest. So I broke even. That doesn't count. No, no, no. Okay. He's saying how much did you pay? <laughs> how much did you? You're pay? Not how much really did you sell? How much? That was the one with the two ups and all yeah, that for the lot. How much was the lot? Keep in that my dad's here. Keep in mind that <laughs> I kept what I wanted and sold the rest. So really, I made out on the deal. You didn't, but go ahead. No, I did. You didn't make a profit. No, he no, no, no. Hey, Jamie Lee Curtis isn't going like to be a mad. Fantasy. At you. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantasy that he made out on. Right. There's no proof of that. Forty-three thousand oh. dollars. No. <laughs> Got, wait, I, I got it all back though. I got it all. It doesn't count. You didn't get it all back. You got it all I back. did. Forty-three thousand dollars. I got. I guys, guys, I got it all back. Though. How much? How much do they pay you to sit in catering? <laughs> that could have fixed your wonky eye. <laughs> no, but I got it all back, so it was an investment. Okay, no, I don't that's know if you right. got it all back. You got some back. No, I got. I, I got it all back. So Every you, day that lot, you're like, I think I'm going to keep the demolition. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to keep it's another thing. And I'm like, I, I, I got it all back, though. So and do I you, kept what I wanted. Do you sit there, like, do you have to, like, start moving things around at that point? Or do you just sit there with a checking account for figures with $43,000 in it? I already lined up potential buyers. I see. You know what I'm so saying? So you were prepared. Yeah, so I didn't spend, I, I spent okay. that, but I made it. Okay. And I got to keep what I wanted. I kept... Right, the Hammer Valentine, the two up and the regular. So you ended up getting a good deal on a the stuff that you kept. What a bargain. What's the most expensive single figure? Oh, I thought we were done with this part. Nope. <laughs> You're interested, right? Sweating, this is Q&A. Yeah. He's sweating. Oh, I, I will, I will, I will. I bought a uh, moon. Shut up. That plug is still not free, sir. No, I bought a moon belly Kamala. MOC. MOC. Oh no. MO. And you're sure it's it's real, it's obviously. Moon belly. Come you on. fucking idiot. Eleven thousand dollars. For one figure. But it's Kamala with the hey, moon. Who wants to let Kamala breathe? I thought that maybe uh, while we were all here and gathered with our friends and everything that we would uh, shift things over to the 
not Sam wrestling way and maybe get to know the Major Brothers a little bit. Get to know oh. the stories of Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder a little bit. And uh, yeah. Oh, what's the haps? What's doing the that, hap? that whole thing. And start there. Okay. And start there and ask. Okay. Uh, Who's es- especially. My daughter, idiot. Yeah, that was. <laughs> that was. <laughs> Who's Mackenzie? <laughs> um, He's not a good major, Mark. No, no. What's the haps? Is the first question. Especially right now. I'm, I'm proud I'm, of shit of this event, man. Yeah, Thanks for everybody yeah. coming. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty amazing. I mean, we talk about it a lot in the podcast. You know, once upon a time ago, like the deepest, darkest secret that we had was that we collected wrestling figures. Right. Like when we first got called up to the main roster, we were uh, 22 year old kids. Uh, there's no way you could be like, hey, Undertaker, you want to be on the major wrestling figure podcast? Like, no fucking yeah. way. <laughs> so that, now I mean, we're doing a live show with you, Sam, here. New York City, Caroline. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, look at the guests you guys have had on the podcast. You've had a whole bunch of the guys that are in the locker room. They, like, let's be honest, Dean Ambrose probably would have been in that category when you first got here. If Dean Ambrose had been there when you first got there, you probably wouldn't have gone up to him and said, you want to be on my wrestling figure Dude, I, I, Okay, so you didn't listen. I did. <laughs> and he told me, fuck no. <laughs> then, like, just that conversation jarred, just like what wrestling figures do, like, it jarred all these sentimental thoughts in his head, mm-hmm. un- unbeknownst to me. Mm-hmm. So, like, weeks later, he said something to him, like, hey, I'd like to do that podcast. And we're like, wait, what? What's going on here? <laughs> and it just made him, like, all these memories that he hadn't thought about in so long were, like, flooding back to him. Even during the interview, he, you could see he's, like, almost getting emotional. It was Even after crazy. he was telling more stories about figures. Yeah, the, the week after the interview, he goes, oh, man, after we talked, I thought about all this other stuff. I had this guy. And then, it, was like, <laughs> it was crazy. So what did you guys, what, like, what came first? Did you guys decide, okay, we can talk about figures around here because there's other figure fans in the locker room because people don't think we're schmucks anymore because of this? Or is, was it, fuck it, we're just going to do what we like? A little, a little bit of both. But yeah, I think the times have changed, you know? Yeah, big time. Times have changed. WWE has changed. Everybody's just more open-minded, you know, and uh, loose about, you know. We were, like, young, little, like, babies. Everyone was grown-ass men, you know? Yeah. Now, now we're 33, but we're still younger than what the guys were when we yeah, debuted. Yeah, I you know? think a big thing is like we grew up with WWE being um, characterized and toys and video games and bed sheets, and it was like that. When we first started, the guys on the roster were older, and it wasn't like that. You know, uh-huh. it was like Raleigh Allen watching on black and white TVs, and they're kidding, You know, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> but now, you know, now, so it's a little different. So like we romanticized wrestling in a different way that they did. Totally. You know? So and they couldn't see. On our level. And I think now, like, 99% of the roster, besides Mojo Raleigh, like, grew up <laughs> liking and loving wrestling and wanting to be a wrestler. So now it's yeah. a totally different, totally different time. And it's a generational thing, right? Absolutely. Like, you guys all grew up with that same exactly. wrestling. Like, you know, we all are around the same age. We all grew up kind of idolizing, watching superstars of and, wrestling. And you and just hit it, like, the nail right on the head. We're all, like, the same age, as opposed to when we debuted. Yeah. Everyone was way older than us. Yeah. Um, this was such a special night. I want to do something special for my friend Matt here. Isn't that great? So I booked a guest. No way. Your favorite wrestler of all time. The man that eliminated The Undertaker from the Royal Rumble with the dropkick. The winner of Tough It Up Season 1. Oh my God. Maven! It's Maven! I didn't know this was going to happen. There-
There he is. He's here. We'll get back to the live event at Caroline's on Broadway momentarily. But, you know, how do I put this delicately? Uh, I was watching the way Zack Ryder reacted to Maven on all levels, mentally, spiritually, but mainly physically. And I thought to myself, how would I be able to get those effects? How would I be able to get myself to the physical point that Zack Ryder is? All Zack Ryder has to do is see Maven. But for the rest of us, how do we get to a place where we are ready to go, where we have that physical confidence, where we know that no matter what happens, we're going to be good to go when it comes to, well, the bedroom. And that's where BlueChew.com comes in. Zack Ryder has Maven. For the rest of us, it's BlueChew.com. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis. Zack Ryder calls Maven his human Viagra and Cialis. The rest of us don't have it. But now we have Blue Chew. You can take them anytime, day or night. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. When, when Zack Ryder's girlfriend says, hey, Zack Ryder, I need you to be ready to go right now. All Zack Ryder has to do is turn on WWE Network and find Maven on Tough Enough Season 1. He's good to go. The rest of us, it's not going to work like that for us. But we've got Blue Chew. Pop it in. Good to go. The confidence is there. Our our partners are going to be able to say, you know what? It's okay that you watch wrestling all the time because whenever I need you to be at full capacity, whenever I need you to be attentive to my needs, you're ready to go. I don't know how you're always ready to go. I'm not going to ask, but you're always ready to go. And you'll know the secret. It's Blue Chew. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. There's no in-person doctor visit. There's no waiting in the pharmacy. And best of all, there's no more awkwardness. It's not just for guys with dysfunction. It's for any guy who wants to enhance their performance in the bedroom. And best of all, it's made in the USA. And since it ships direct, it's cheaper than a pharmacy. All you have to do is visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code ROBERTS. Just pay $5 shipping. That's blue com promo code Roberts to try it for free. Blue Chew, the better, cheaper, faster choice. Zack Ryder has Maven. You can get Blue Chew. BlueChew.com, promo code Roberts. Let's get back to it. What's up, Caroline? How you guys doing tonight? Whoa. I, I, have, I haven't had a reception like that in hours. So that felt good. I'm working out. Get the hell out. Are you really? How do you think he feels? Thank you. I got, yeah, goose, no, I got goosebumps right now, David. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, to be honest, we just wanted to hear the theme music so you can go. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. That's all you wanted? <laughs> hey, it was worth it. Good night, Caroline. <laughs> fuck. That song, that song fucking rules, man. Yo, and, and what's funny about that song, because I get asked about that song everywhere I go, and newsflash, I hate that fucking song. What? I know. I'm, I'm thinking about on Monday, I'm going to go in and be like, hey, Kevin Dunn, can me and Ryder have that Maven song? As <laughs> it's yours. It is yours. That Maven song is on my gym playlist like every every time I work out and that song comes out. For real, you're, repeat, if you're, repeat, if you're repeat, struggling, repeat, repeat. You're, you know, you want to get off that treadmill, you need that extra rep, put on the Maven theme. You're going to fucking, you're going to stick it out. And, and here is what A is going to show my age. I still have an iPod, so fuck all y'all. <laughs> and also... 
I don't even own that song in my playlist. Yeah. Swear to God. But but I respect. You're humble. I respect it, and I, I'm I'm here to give the truth and honesty. I have met more people that like that song, and thank you guys. I actually met the people that that do the song one time, and I felt like the biggest asshole on earth <laughs> because they came up and they're like, "Hey, how you doing?" I'm like, "What's up?" And then they they were like, "Yeah, how do you like our song?" And I'm like, "It's great." Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, "Well, you know what your instrument music?" I was like, "Of course, I do now. Thank yeah. you." <laughs> What have you been up to, Maven? It's been a long time since a lot of folks have seen you. Uh, well, I'm um, I'm doing adult films now. <laughs> oh, okay. Congrats, Broski. You got to check can, those can out. Can I interest you in some WWE figures that vibrate? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, um, you know what? Uh, uh, transitioning from if you know from from wrestling, it's it's a hard. I'm not gonna lie, it's hard. It's tough. It's tough to go from being on TV each week getting. Great receptions. Thank you guys so much. I am yeah. true. Give I'm it up for Maven. Yeah, baby. Everyone's going to go on eBay tonight and buy your action figure, Maven, for sure. Hey, you know what? If, it would be great if it was back in the day when I saw a dime of that. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of which, you, got, you do not have it. While you're doing whatever it is you're doing, which I hope isn't getting naked, you're, you're touching me. You're touching me. No, I'm actually, uh, Sam, I'm working... Um, I'm working for the uh, the Brooklyn Nets now. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. I work so I'm local. I live in New Jersey, and um, I've been with them, been with the team in the front office for a little, a uh, little under a year now, and I I'm enjoying my time there. That's so, amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So what do you got there? It says uh, from Maven to Matt. From Maven oh, to Matt. Is this mine? Yeah. Well, and and to tell you guys the backstory, when. When I found out this guy was a fan of mine from back in the day, I was shocked and honored. <laughs> so, hey, it's the least I could do. I don't have a clue what's in there, so but it's I, the least I could do. All my friends and favorites I have signed figures of, Matt here has none. So I think he should start his collection right here tonight. Yeah! Oh, it's... You guys think that's a good idea? Oh! M-O-C! Actually, and I'm even, a true pro. I don't even have Paint that. Paint pen. I don't even have that. Yeah. Am I going to sign it right here? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. To Matt. Thanks for being such a fucking mark for me. <laughs> Love me. I'm going to write that. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, man. I also have as can a backup. Write, can you write best Your, your first 8x10. Oh, oh, my God. <laughs> what a handsome Official guy. Official issue. <laughs> what are you thinking about right here? Yeah, what are you? What's going through your mind right here? I'm thinking that there's a little middle schooler named Matt. Throw that mic at him while he's signing your there figure. There we go. To Matt. To Matt. You're such a fucking mark. My number. But one. your drop kicks nowhere near as good as mine was. Oh fuck no. My number one mark. <laughs> If you look at the old footage of like Zack Ryder when he's a kid at the Hogan signings and stuff like that, his face right now looks exactly the same. <laughs> just, just add pimples. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, Matt. Like I said when I came out, this is the this is the first time I've saw, signed an autograph in hours. So there you go. Look at that. That's what beautiful. A, what an addition. That's beautiful. Although. Oh, Maven, 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 Maven. Oh! Whoops. 
When, when you, let's, while, while we got you here, we got to get some more stories. You, so, got yeah. you show up to the Royal Rumble, they tell you you're going to eliminate The Undertaker. Yeah. You want, you want the behind the scenes yeah, stories? Yeah, let's wa walk, walk us through that one. Okay. All right, so at the time, I'm living in Cincinnati and working for Les Thatcher. Okay, yeah. H-W-A. Who, who smoked more weed than he coached wrestlers. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Learn something new every day. Yeah. And they called and said, we want you at the Royal Rumble. Of course, at this time, I didn't know what role, what position. F fuck, they want, might have wanted me to park cars. Hell, I don't know. <laughs> The hey, the checks were clearing, so I would have did whatever. How far removed are you from tough enough at this point? Months. That's right. Okay. Months. This was, and if you and if you look at old footage of that, it's before I even had trunks, and it's before I even had wrestling boots. I was out there, and I, I want to say sneakers. True story. <laughs> track pants. Yeah. Yeah, and track pants. I just want to say you were my pick from week one, Maven. Get the. You're <laughs> my pick. Yo, dude, I already got a crush on you. I already got a man crush on you, so you got me. You got I, me. I was more of a Nowinski guy, but we can keep going. Oh, don't get me started on that prick. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's a good dude. But anyway, so, so I, get to, I get to Atlanta where the Rumble was, and this is true. They call me immediately down to the ring, and there's Shane. They take me right up to Shane, Shane O'Mac and, and take her. And I'm literally standing there. I'm a fucking child at this time. And I'm standing there like this, looking at, at Taker. And Shane looks at me. He's like, yo, Maeve, so uh, Taker's going to come out, and he's going to shit-can Lita. He's going to shit-can Matt and Jeff. Your music's going to come out. And he's going to be looking around, and you're going to drop kick him in the back and eliminate him from the, the, the rumble. Taker, no lie, looked at me, went, and said, what the fuck? <laughs> I, 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 I've never shit my pants as a grown man until that moment. And then later, later on, he was like, nah, kid, I'm kidding. But Taker knew one thing about the, the business that I wish every, every superstar knew, and that is in order to you know, progress the business, you got to make new talent. And that's all he was trying. He was trying to do not only a favor for me that night, but a favor for the business. And to this day, anything I got in wrestling, I owe to that man. Um, another quick story. Go for it. So that night, and I'm assuming everybody here is Marks. Am I right? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, like, so, next level Marks. Okay. Yeah. Marks. So when I not say... Not a casual Mark. Like, gotcha, gotcha. So... <laughs> major. There we go. <laughs> All right, so you're, you're in a safe place. Okay, hold up, hold up. So when I say get color, what am I talking about? God, you guys are fucking marks. <laughs> um, so the, the, the match called that night for me to get color. And um, in the business, if you, you want to get good color, you take aspirin. Ah, right on time. Well, I'm allergic to aspirin. So I t take her backstage, tells me, you know, an hour and a half before we go out, he's like, yo, take a couple, you know, baby aspirins to get, you know, thin your blood out. And I'm like, I'm allergic. So he said, well, let's drink some Jack. So, <laughs> so I'm, out, I'm out there. He's not feeling a thing because he's taker. And I'm half, half, you know, two sheets to the wind. <laughs> I'm shocked as fuck that I actually hit the drop kick. But I'm glad I did. <laughs> So, were there any, was anybody else there that had a problem 
with you being the one that got to eliminate The Undertaker? You know what? I'm sure a lot of people did. And God rest his soul. Uh, I love this guy. He turned out to be one of my best friends before he passed. Test. Yeah. 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 Oh, dude. That's Broski's other favorite wrestler ever. No. <laughs> Give it up. That's true. <laughs> um, Andrew Test. Um, and me and him became good buddies later on. You know, after I got released, I did some, you know, just did some stuff with TNA back when they started. And then I, I worked for the Home Shopping Network. And they're, you know, down in Florida. And when I moved down there, you know, Test, you know, was like, Maze, you're moving down. Stay with me in Channel Side. And I was like, all right. And he turned out to be one of my best friends before he passed. But he told me. He was like, y'all fucking hated you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and if you know Andrew, that, that was his personality. And, but, you know, I'm sure a lot of guys did. I know Saturn. You know, I, knew, I know he did. But it's just natural. You know, the way I came in was different. And, um, you know. And the first one to do it. All I was trying to do with, with, with the position that I came in with, with was uh, just earn guys' respect. You know, and I earned Bob Holly's respect, which that right there. Whole thing suck. That right there was enough for me. And once I knew I earned his respect and he saw that I respected the business, that I loved the business, and that I was going to do right by the business, um, then I knew everyone else, you know, was either going to, you know, come on and, and whether you're a fan of me or not, that's, that's fine or whatever, but understand that I love what it is that I'm out there doing and, you know. Can I just cut you off and say you're a very handsome man, maybe? Hold <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, no. up. Look at this. At look, look at him. Look at him. You have the real you. scan R3 figure now. Oh, you can man. stare at it for the end of time. God bless you. God I bless you. I don't hear what you're saying. I'm just looking at you. <laughs> wow. He's a handsome man. Not bad for a guy in his mid-40s? <laughs> Not bad at all. <laughs> Yeah, how did, you, how did you react to that? I mean, I'm sure growing up, you had plenty of people that thought you were a handsome guy, but once you show up on MTV... Hold on, let me cut you off. I grew up in fucking southern-ass redneck Virginia, yeah! where, I, where this was as black as anything they've ever seen. <laughs> there was not many people that thought I was handsome growing okay. up, I can guarantee right, you that. It's probably those eyebrows I used to have. <laughs> oh, yo, <laughs> you're right about that. <laughs> Stephanie McMahon nixed those. Oh. Yeah. Really? She pulled me, uh, like, one of my first weeks um, up at TV, <laughs> she pulled me aside, and she was like, yeah, Maven, the eyebrows, they gotta go. <laughs> and looking back at old pictures, she was right. <laughs> but how did you react to the fact that you show up on MTV, you're getting a lot of girls and young Matt Cardona's attention. You show up on WWE, you're getting even more girls and young Matt Cardona's attention. Like... Does that not inflate your ego? Do you not end up making mistakes? Well, I mean, of course, I'd be a liar if I say it didn't inflate your ego. I mean, anytime you have people chanting your name, anytime you have people... What does that sound like when you chant Maven's name? Maven! 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 I wish I had my phone so I could record that. (laughs) We'll send you the clip, Maven. (laughs) No, I mean, that's definitely... That's going to inflate your ego. But I I would like to think that, that... that my mom raised me with enough, you know, just respect for people to understand. My mom made sure <laughs> that I always remembered where I came from. True story. My mom used to give, I was on Raw, and my mom used to give kids my numbers, and I, they would call me after <laughs> Raw. And I would be like, Mom, you got to stop this shit. And she would be like, you got time for your fans. I'd be like, but I don't. I really don't. Me and Orton are trying to get to the next town. I can't talk to little kids. 
Maven knew what Twitter was before any of us. Like, yeah. now, now we all got Twitter yeah. mentions. It was Maven's phone going. It, it, sh it should have been me. <laughs> but no, I just I, I've and I, I hope anybody that meets me, I realize I'm never gonna be you know somebody as famous as John Cena or or Rocky. We love you. And, and but you know what? I'm never gonna be the lowest guy. I'm somewhere in the middle, and I'm fine with that. Well, Swaggle's the lowest I, guy here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 fortunate to have the career I did. I'm humbled to have the career I did, and you know it always go down as the best the best time of my life. And and it's for people just like this. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's give another round of applause. Yeah, I can't think of enough, Maven. man. Thank you. You're the fucking best. Thank you. Hey, hey, one more here. time. Hit that Maven music. Yeah, I got here. Hit I got here. Like I like it. So there they were. Thanks again to Maven, to Hornswoggle, to Kurt Hawkins, to Zack Ryder. And make sure you check out the major wrestling figure podcast if wrestling figures are your thing. It's great. It's a great thing. So um, before we get on to the state of wrestling and everything else, uh, as I said at the top of the show, I did want to take some time this week to pay a little tribute to Luke Perry. I, I interview, I've interviewed him a couple times, but uh, the most recent interview I had with him was a little while ago. I did air it here on the podcast. Um, and it was all about wrestling and, and fandom. Of course, he talked about Riverdale and the other projects he was doing as well. But I wanted to share the conversation that we had about wrestling with you guys this week on the podcast. Of course, if you want to go straight to the state of wrestling, go straight to the state of wrestling. Um, but in the meantime, as a tribute to Luke Perry, uh, I thought it best um, that we, we share his stories and we experience them together one more time. Of course, this interview is available on video right now on the YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash notsam. Here he is from uh, a little while back, uh, the great Luke Perry. And good for you. Did you see that uh, uh, what what caught wind on social media was you checking out uh, your son's debut wrestling match? I, I heard something about that. Yeah, yeah. What? So so uh, did you see the, the, the video or you just heard that it was in the ether? No, I saw it. Yeah, what, did you? Were you surprised that it drew as much attention as it did? I try not to think about it. Mm -hmm. um, that's not my end of it. I don't. Uh, you know, it, it's him doing what he's doing. Yeah, and I want him to have his own world and his own privacy. It's a, well. I mean, first of all, I want to tell you, as a big wrestling fan, he's got an amazing look. That head of hair is like perfect. Are you a wrestling fan? I am. You're a WWE fan? I am. Because you popped up on the Edge and Christian show. Sure. I saw and I've it. been in the ring. When you can, the last time they had their diva search, I refereed that. That's match. right. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, man. Yeah. And the Nature Boy. That, those, those were guys from my time. But mm -hmm. I, I, I love wrestling. What do you, uh, uh, do, you, do you actively watch now, or are you just kind of uh, peripheral? You know, the time commitment to Riverdale is such that I can't really actively watch anything mm -hmm. at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I watch whenever I can. Great thing about those guys, they got their own network. It's out there all the time now, 24 hours a day. You get the WWE channel, you yeah. see it all the time. Absolutely, Except yeah. for Thursdays at 9 o'clock, because people are watching Riverdale on the CW. When we rechristened the CW, CW means cool. Watch it. <laughs> That's great. There's a little comma in there, too, right? It's the C, comma, W. There cool. is now. Watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and... What's got to be great for you is SmackDown got moved to Tuesdays, which means Thursdays are wide open. 
Well, yeah. And who For wants, Riverdale. And who wants to be competing with SmackDown? No, no, no. Because no, no. SmackDown and Raw are in the top 20 every week. Isn't that amazing? For 15 years they yeah. have been. Those are the most consistent two programs in the top 20. So have you been a wrestling fan since you were a kid? Yeah. And uh, and did it ever did it ever escape you, or has it always just kind of been something that you're interested in? Nothing escapes me. It doesn't, does it? Um, I uh, It's always been something I'm interested in. I appreciate the level of theater that goes yeah. on in it. It, it. it is fantastic. I've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of the performers, and they've all been really nice guys. Isn't that amazing? That, like, I feel like, you know, you meet athletes and they're not always the nicest guys in the world no. but I've never I mean I've met almost every pro wrestler that I could want to meet and, they were and cool. I've never been disappointed that whole like you don't want to meet your heroes thing like I haven't experienced yeah. that when you met John Cena you were not disappointed he was the yeah he was the guy Ray, Ray Mysterio right love that dude right um, I like I said I've been fortunate enough we've met a lot of them Kane Great Kali. <laughs> How was Kali? I've met. H. I've met Kali. He was really lovely. I remember he reached down to sign an autograph, and I mean, it's difficult for him to hold the pen because it's so small compared right. to his hand. It's like him taking a sewing needle, and, <laughs> and it was. When you see the physical size of him, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Batista, David Batista, who's having quite a career for himself as an actor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you get happy when you see? Because uh, uh, I feel like pro wrestlers don't get a ton of respect in the in the more mainstream industry. Do you get happy when you see a guy like The Rock or Batista that can kind of break through that and and yeah, craft out a career do. for I themselves? Don't like, I don't like people trying to pigeonhole you and telling you what you're about and what you can do and what you can't do. Clearly, Dwayne Johnson never listened to anybody. He says, "I'm going to do what I'm going to do." Right. And I think David Batista is kind of getting on that path now. He's going to do. And you know, I've met uh, you know Big Show. He's a great guy. He's like that. Cena's had a lot of success in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those guys got a good thing going. They put up some great entertainment. And you probably had a similar attitude in the sense that, like, I'm sure the bigger 90210 got, the more people wanted that to be you. Well, we figured out what Luke Perry is. He's the, our guy from 90210, and whether that show's on the air or not, that's what we want to put on our show. And you have to make the decision to not do that, which is which can be a risk, right? That's what acting's about, taking right. risk. That's right. where all the good work lies, on the other side of some risk. Yeah. So who's your who's your favorite wrestler growing up? I'm obsessed with wrestling, Ooh. so that to me is... is, is... Um, we're talking about the American Dream. Now we're talking about Dusty Rhodes. Dusty. Dusty yeah. Rhodes was my favorite wrestler. He was a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to know him pretty well before he passed. How'd you get to know him? Uh, we're, uh, backstage at Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was taking my son to, uh, I think we were going to meet Triple H. And as we were walking across the room, I got out of the corner of my eye, I saw Dusty Rhodes. And I said, show's over, son. Time out. I don't care who else is here. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to them. <laughs> and I made a beeline straight to that man. And uh-huh. I mean, he put his arms around me. He hugged me. I got to squeeze. And I said, this is big for me. I, you know, I've, I've met every actor in the world not so much when i met dusty Rhodes, that was a big deal yeah yeah isn't it amazing what those guys can do like like just the and i don't know if it's something about being like human superheroes or there's something about it. if you really love it and appreciate it there's no actor or whoever it is that's going to measure up to being like no but that's that's him that's dusty that's, that's him that's dusty Rhodes. yeah oh yeah he's the one and only i mean you know uh the nature boy rick flair mm-hmm. i mean i got a buddy of mine who is doing a, a show with him right now a documentary and he's spending a lot of time is that the 30 for 30 with rick uh i don't know if it's gonna be a 30 for 30 yet mm-hmm. but it's about flair right it's all about flair and he's a he's he's a riverdale fan Ric Flair is? Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Do you have a favorite uh, uh, Dusty or Ric Flair promo? 
that you would watch growing oh, up? Oh yeah, when Dusty when Dusty would talk about being the son of a plumber, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In West Texas, where it's hot as hell. <laughs> yeah, and he'd talk he'd talk it, man. And that was a great thing. Nobody wrote that stuff. No, he would just sit right down. He looked right down that pipe of that camera, and he'd start laying it down to you. He'd start telling you how it was, baby. Telling you about him being sexy, about you know him being the American dream. Uh, and I would sat there, and as a kid, knowing I full on I wanted to be an actor, I'm sitting there going, "This is one of the best actors I've ever seen." Yeah, and he is just up there rolling. So and he would roll. You didn't have a moment as a kid where you wanted to be a wrestler. It was always an actor. Look at me. Dude. That's what I. Yeah, yeah. Who are we kidding? Right. Uh, I knew that wasn't coming around, but I still appreciate. You know, I appreciate great writing. Right. I right. appreciate when it's done well. Dusty, fabulous. Nobody ever wrote that. That was him. That was all him all the time. I mean, you can go on YouTube or the network now and watch these promos from the 80s. And when Dusty's like, put your hands up on the screen. Yeah. Like, you still get the same Oh, yeah, he was like Reverend Ike. He was calling you, put your hand up on the screen now. Reach out and touch the dream. (laughs) Where did did you grow up? Ohio. So, so... What in a, in a small town, not mm-hmm. not unlike Riverdale, only not all the freaky stuff going on. But that's the thing about the shows, small towns, right, are where all the freaky stuff happens. There's always folklore and legend surrounding these things, isn't there? There is, and my you know uh, all the small towns that I've lived in, no different. There's always freaky stuff going on. It's never the people you think it will be. Yeah, and Riverdale is a great way to like have a look at that sort of dynamic that that totally exists in America. Do you like doing a show like Riverdale because? It allows you, not dissimilar from professional wrestling while we're on the topic, but it allows you to do a lot more. Like, you're not restricted necessarily to the confines of reality. Yeah, the, guy, you know the I mean. gentleman who writes our show, Roberto Aguirre, he's not restricted by any. Yeah, <laughs> right. he, he's only restricted by his own imagination and his good taste. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's put together some great scripts for this thing. I mean, he, he was singularly the voice that got me interested and turned it all around for me, made me want to get in and do this thing. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything uh, in the acting world that you haven't done that you specifically want to? Or is it just about finding... Um, I'm, that... I'm I'm looking to run on top of a moving train and <laughs> yeah. jump, jump car to car. <laughs> I've always wanted to do it. And it it's hasn't happened a, yet. I, I had a movie going. It got canceled uh, where I was going to get to do that. Mm-hmm. And it was the worst. Mo- and, I, and dude... I've made some bad movies. <laughs> this was the worst. And I said I was going to do it anyway. My agent's like, you are not. And I said, did you see on page six where it says I run on top of the moving train? <laughs> I said, all you need to do is confirm that they have a train and that I'm going to get to run on it, not the stuntman, and then I'm signing this. <laughs> and he's like, you are not. I said, I am. And I did. And then the movie fell apart. But I was ready to go did- just so I could run on top uh, of that train. It didn't even... And even if it had fallen apart... After you had shot that scene, you could have at least said, can I just have the footage of the train run? More to the point, if I can just find a slow-moving train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. getting on. Somebody whip out their iPhone and we'll, just, we'll, make, we'll make our own movie. I'll selfie that. Check this. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, I think so. I, I read that uh, uh, the promotion that uh, your son was... Well, first of all, was uh, 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 pro wrestling something that you brought into your family? Did you? Did you... Or was it something that... that your son found. Uh, they find their own way. Kids find their way to stuff in life. See, I'm wondering that because my my wife is pregnant with a boy, and all I want is to have a little wrestling buddy. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I feel There's, like if I try too hard, he's gonna be like that. This isn't cool. Doesn't matter what you do. Right. He's gonna be who he is, mm-hmm. and you're gonna have to find your place in that. That's what parenthood is. You give your children um, every opportunity. You can. You try to teach them all the things you know. They are who they are. They're Mm going to be who they're going to be. You've got to find the way to support that and to stay in their life. 
That's, and that's, just, that's what your job is. Just push them with don't, whatever it is that they are doing with don't, support. Don't push them. Right. Just let let it all, let them roll it out as it's rolling out for them. It's, uh, I think that's one of the biggest gifts you can give your child is let them have their own life. Let them figure it out with everything. Don't, don't indoctrinate them in any way. Let them figure it out and try to find what you can do to support that. You've seen a lot of pro wrestling. Is there anything you wouldn't want him There's to do? There's all kinds of shit I don't want him doing, but that you know that's that's not uh, that's not always up to me. That's something he and I talk about. But he doesn't want me to discuss this too much. So. Oh, I see. Oh, I didn't because uh, he wants get, to get past that. He's on his own. Thing. Do it on his own thing. That's have you just in terms of you being a fan of this stuff. Have you met uh, Vince McMahon? I have. What's that like? I mean, I've, I've 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 talked to him very briefly. He runs that show, and yeah. when I say he runs that show, I mean when they're in there at two o'clock in the afternoon doing a rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Vince McMahon standing in the middle of the ring with a clipboard and a headset on, going, "Okay, cue these lights, bang." And when I say that, I want that to happen now. Bring him out. The t- he calls the shots. Yeah. On how that stuff goes down, and I know a lot of guys who uh, that have, you know, have a lot of money, own a lot of stuff. They wouldn't be there doing that. But you can tell how much Vince loves it, and it's what he does. It's what he's about. It's what that family's about. Yeah. And uh, I had never seen anything quite like that. But to see him stand there calling the shots at the rehearsal, that brother runs the show. Do you like that as a performer? Like, you can obviously put yourself in the position of, of, a, of a wrestler as a performer. Do you like seeing a guy like that that you're like, you know what? I might not have all the freedom in the world to do whatever I want, but I know I can trust that guy because he definitely has a vision. Mm-hmm. Do you like that? Like when you when you see that, do you walk in knowing I can trust that, or do you prefer a looser environment? I really like you know when when someone's in charge on the set with a director. Yes, I like to hear one voice. I like to hear one person giving me direction, telling me what's going on. That's the nature of how film works. That's mm-hmm. why they call it the last dictatorial position there is. There's one guy, mm-hmm. and he gets to call all the shots. Uh, Vince McMahon in his world is very much that dictator that guy that says this is how it's going to go and this is why and because he's had so much success people don't question it they t- he tells them to do something that gets done right and right. that's that's how it works that's efficiency yes you know and that's how I try to be on the set director tells me to do something I do it right I don't ask a lot of questions I don't I do it because that's my job but the but the, so the, so the, what makes it difficult and it would make it difficult there and would make it difficult for you is if there's a whole bunch of different people, right. middle management type people running around going, yeah. why don't you try this? Well, why don't you try that? And this guy over here, and you're like, I don't yeah, need all it, these. I'd say, why don't I try that? Because the director didn't tell me to. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, and because I didn't feel it and he didn't tell me to, hence, it's not getting tried. Right. If you want it to be tried, go be a director somewhere. <laughs> um, with the wrestlers, they pretty clear. When Vince tells them it's going like this, yeah, that's how it's going. Right. But if some other guy comes up to him and goes, have you thought about that? They're like, ah. I don't work for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's only one name on the paycheck. Look at that. Is that your name? Yeah, then you're in my way. Right. Right. Yeah, and it's the same guy who's paid guys that have been more successful than you. And you're in his way. So <laughs> right. now, now you got to go. <laughs> Here is Sam Roberts. Uh, so rest in peace, Luke Perry. Just a really, really awesome guy. And that, that whole interview is up on YouTube um, if you want to see the whole thing. But I just thought it would be cool to share some of those stories with you this week. Um, before we get into the state of wrestling... At the time of this recording, we don't know exactly what it is. It hasn't been confirmed, but it's, uh, I think most of us know. Uh, the WWE has has confirmed that there will be a big announcement on Thursday, which is the day the show comes out, but obviously we record before the show comes out because otherwise how could the show come out? But on Thursday in Tampa, 
the WWE is making a big announcement. And based on where the day falls on the calendar um, and what rumors would have you believe, uh, I would guess that the WWE is in Tampa to announce that uh, that will be the site of WrestleMania 36. That's what uh, a lot of the rumors are thinking. That's what a lot of the speculation is, that Tampa, Florida is going to be the home of WrestleMania 36. Uh, I really, I I think that that's going to be cool. You know, as much as it's fantastic to have WrestleMania in your neck of the woods, you know, there's always, I mean, there's something special regardless of what city the WWE goes to. There's something great about being in New Orleans and having Mardi Gras, not Mardi Gras, Bourbon Street, instead of being like Mardi Gras, having Bourbon Street filled with dudes wearing wrestling t-shirts. There's something awesome about when, you know, you're sitting, I'm I'm doing my day-to-day life here in New York City, and slowly WrestleMania starts to seep in to New York. I love that. But something that I really enjoy is when the WWE goes to a town that they can truly get their hands on and take over. And I feel like Tampa is going to become WrestleMania Central when WWE goes there. I, I just think uh, I just think everywhere you go, it's going to be WrestleMania, WrestleMania, WrestleMania. Um, and I think that I think that that's fun. I'm looking forward to it. Our pal Mike Calta, who, who does a radio show out there in Tampa, uh, I know he and his son are big wrestling fans, so they got to be psyched. I got to text him and find out if he's excited. But it's it's amazing. It's amazing when you think about just what a machine WWE is. And how the show just keeps going and going and they keep rolling and rolling. Like we are right in the midst. We are in the teeth of WrestleMania season. It is heating up. You know, from a television perspective, the storylines are just going, 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 going. Everything is is going towards WrestleMania. And from a media perspective, I mean, I know because of my unique perspective, but they're getting ready to, to all the press is really starting to wind up and all the appearances and they're getting ready to take over New York City and, and, and have uh, TakeOver and Hall of Fame and WrestleMania and Raw and SmackDown and Access and everything is happening. While at the same time, before they, they're a month out from this one and they're ready to announce next year's already. It's just there is no rest in the WWE and I don't know that there's any other organization like it in the world. It's pretty remarkable. Let's talk about what the television has been like in WWE. Let's talk about what the buildup to WrestleMania has been like lately. Let's talk about everything that's going on and let's do it inside this week's State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Here it is. Welcome to the State of Wrestling. My God, if you could see what I'm looking at right now, if you could see, I mean, I can't. I just got up from the studio for a moment, and everywhere around me that's not directly in camera shot looks like a bomb went off. I can't walk anywhere because the whole place is getting reorganized. But as far as you can see, for those of you that are seeing, everything I think looks hunky-dory. But it's basically just this camera shot that is not a complete wreck in this place as I reorganize the entire Not Sam studio. If you want to see everything that's in this camera shot, of course, you're sitting there going like it's a podcast. What do you mean see? You can actually watch the state of wrestling every single week. You can either do it live as I record or we keep the the videos up in their entirety and you can watch them uh, after I've recorded them over on the Patreon page if you're a Not Sam Shill at patreon.com slash wrestling, the only place to get the full video version of the State of Wrestling, both live and recorded every single week. So you know what we do here in the State of Wrestling. We break down 
the top five stories of the week, according to yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts, uh, in the world of professional wrestling. And we start with story number five, and that is this week, Tori Wilson going into the Hall of Fame. I love I love the, the Hall of Fame weeks. I love WrestleMania season because every single week, Every Monday or Tuesday, we've got another big announcement. Now, Tori Wilson was heavily rumored. I think those rumors, I started to see them pop up on the internet on like Thursday or Friday. Uh, But the official announcement, I believe was Monday, I want to say, that Tori Wilson is going into the Hall of Fame. Of course, a lot of times uh, only one woman goes into the Hall of Fame because uh, each year. Because of the DX induction, we've now got China and Tori Wilson both going into the Hall of Fame. And there is some controversy, you know, and I think this happens every year. There are people who think that Tori Wilson is not Hall of Fame worthy. You know, the way the WWE Hall of Fame works is that if you made an impact in WWE, if you did things in your career that make it so that years later people still talk about you, you're Hall of Fame worthy. You know, the Hall of Fame is not the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling. There's not four spots. There's however many spots every single year. And granted, there are some people that you go, well, why aren't they in and why is this person in, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, the class has to look a certain way each year, right? You can't just sit there and go, well, you know, the first class is going to be... Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and Undertaker and Stone Cold and The Rock. It's like, you know, we need... I I like the way it's done. You know, I like that it goes down the list. That there is a spot for somebody like Coco Beware to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. That there is a spot for somebody like Hillbilly Jim to be in the Hall of Fame. These aren't people that necessarily would be, you know, first ballot headline candidates. But they filled a box. They, They served a purpose. There was a role for them in the WWE. The WWE is this uh, conglomeration of all these moving parts. And I think all the moving parts, especially the moving parts that are on air, should be rewarded. And somebody like Tori Wilson, at the end of the day, when you talk about uh, the final years of WCW and the years that followed that in WWE, when you talk about the real uh, divas era of WWE... Whether you like the Divas era or not, it was an era. And Tori Wilson was a huge part of that era, you know? I mean, she was she did the uh, uh, Playboy spread that made her a mainstream star. And then, of course, when she left wrestling, she became a mainstream star. Um, you know, I, she's not, are you going to sit there and go like, oh, let's watch the classic Tori Wilson matches of all time? No, but who doesn't remember... Uh, Al Wilson, I think his first name was Al, Tory Wilson's dad. Who doesn't remember the Don marie Tory Wilson rivalry on SmackDown? And that's the thing, right? Wrestling is sports entertainment. Tory Wilson was a hell of an athlete. I think Tory Wilson is probably more athletic than, I know she's more athletic than me. She's probably more athletic than most of us that are listening to this podcast right now. But at the end of the day, her major contributions in the world of wrestling were in the form of entertainment. And that counts too. The same thing for Honky Tonk Man, really. I know he was the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, but what's your favorite Honky Tonk Man match? His reign is remembered, but do you remember any specific matches per se? 
Maybe not, but he was a hell of an entertainer. He is a guy that everybody who was watching wrestling in the 1980s remembers. You always remember the honky-tonk man. You remember these larger-than-life personalities. And everybody that was watching wrestling when Tori Wilson was a part of the WWE remembers Tori Wilson. And that's why, to me, she's absolutely Hall of Fame worthy. There's a lot of people that are Hall of Fame worthy. That's why every year we get to induct more people. We could just uh, get the top of the top of that heap and induct them all in one shot. But guess what? That would make it difficult to make this a yearly tradition. So, you know, and keep in mind, too, we're talking about the WWE Hall of Fame. We're not talking about a Hall of Fame that's uh, based on uh, batting averages, right? There isn't a a set, and some people talk about uh, the WWE creating one, but it doesn't make sense. It's not the way wrestling works. It's not the way WWE works. There's not this set of numerics that you can place somebody against and say, okay, if they have a certain number of wins and losses, a certain number of title victories, a certain number of years served, a certain number of whatever, that makes them Hall of Fame worthy. I mean, at the end of the day, if somebody wrestles three matches and they're the most three memorable matches of all time, that feels Hall of Fame worthy to me. I mean, there's the celebrity wing, and people, and that's the other thing. People complain about the celebrity wing. I don't think we should be complaining about the WWE Hall of Fame. Everybody that's meant to go in, especially now at this point, will go in. There was a time when people were getting ignored, right? But I think the ultimate warrior, maybe Bruno San Martino before him, Bruno San Martino was probably the one that changed all that. When every year you've got guys like Bruno San Martino, Ultimate Warrior, Jeff Jarrett, China, Honky Tonk Man, when you've got people that everybody said, oh, you know, they'll never be in the Hall of Fame. They're blackballed from WWE. I could see that as being a complaint. Like, look, Jeff Jarrett can't get in the Hall of Fame, but so-and-so can. Okay. Ultimate Warrior can't get in the Hall of Fame, but Coco Beware can. Okay. Even Randy Savage, who unfortunately went in too late, but still went in. We're not really, I don't think, living in a time anymore where we're running a risk of certain people not getting in. It's just a matter of when. So I would say uh, anybody that's uh, riled up about the uh, decision to put Tori Wilson in the Hall of Fame needs to take it easy because it's tough to argue, right? She made a pretty big impact on the Divas division in WWE. We still talk about her. We still talk about her. And we're still talking about her, I believe, that makes her Hall of Fame worthy. So congratulations to Tori Wilson. Uh, some bad news. Tori Wilson going into the Hall of Fame, great news. Story number four, horrible news. Tommaso Ciampa gets called up to the main roster. All of a sudden, after, what was it, two weeks maybe? Gargano and Ciampa disappear. If you watched uh, WWE TV this week, the NXT call-up story, the shakeup that happened, the halftime heat crew that got brought to the main roster, it went from four to two. Gargano and Ciampa, nowhere to be found over the last two or three weeks. Uh, and we find out now that uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday. Thursday, which is the day the show actually comes out, Ciampa is going in for neck surgery. He's got some kind of neck injury. He's going in for surgery, and it could mean that he's going to be out for some time, which would mean that that NXT title, I would think, may get taken off of him. And not in a match. I think that uh, he may have to vacate the championship. Now, 
I feel like over the last year, Tommaso Ciampa has brought the idea of rivalries in NXT and the NXT Championship to a whole nother level. I think that at a time when some people thought that NXT had already seen its peak, there were people who thought that the best days of NXT were behind it. When NXT lost the majority of the class that included Finn Balor and Kevin Owens and Bailey and Sasha Banks and Charlotte and Tyler Breeze and Sami Zayn, when all these uh, guys and girls leave NXT, there were a lot of people that thought that's kind of it for NXT. You know, they're going to have to just bring in some star power now and try to put together some uh, uh, hyped up indie matches, whatever you can do. But you know what happened? NXT regrouped, used power from the indies, as well as homegrown power, and by the way, took power from the indies and tweaked it and developed it. You know, I would say that the Tommaso Ciampa that you see in NXT bears very little resemblance to the Tommaso Ciampa that was on the indies before getting to NXT. Um, And they created... Certainly the best NXT ever. I mean, the NXT in the last year, the NXT of 2018, now going into 2019, is the best NXT has ever been. And quite frankly, I believe in 2018, NXT was the wrestling organization, promotion, whatever you want to call it, brand that was putting on the best wrestling shows anywhere. That includes New Japan, so sue me. Please don't actually sue me. I don't have much. But... And a lot of that was was because of Tommaso Ciampa and also Johnny Gargano. Who knows what this means for Tommaso Ciampa? I mean, you have to sit there and go, does this mean that his legacy is the last year? Because quite frankly, if he, when he comes back, first of all, who knows if he comes back? Maybe he doesn't come back. I don't know what these injuries are like. But if he doesn't come back or if he does come back and he's running at half speed because it is what it is, this is the way the world works, his legacy is going to be what happened in the last year. And quite frankly, the story that he told with Johnny Gargano, and it will go from the formation of DIY. I mean, let's let's keep it honest. While the matches that Gargano and Ciampa were having against each other defined NXT in the last year, the matches that they had when they were a tag team defined NXT in that era. People are still talking about the Revival versus DIY. Still, to this day. And I'm not talking about the Revival versus DIY match that we saw on Raw a couple weeks ago. I'm talking about the Revival DIY match that was on TakeOver a couple years ago. Okay, so they were stealing the show as a tag team. Then, they split up and they created one of these storylines that I believe in one of the rivalries that people will simply talk about forever in NXT, Gargano versus Ciampa. It will define this era that we live in right now. And I think it'll be a long time before any series of matches and any rivalry in NXT beats what we saw. Quite frankly, a lot of people, we saw three Gargano versus Ciampa matches. There were a lot of people that said, I wish we weren't having so many. I wish these matches were split up a little bit. I wish that we had one match now and then we waited years before the next one. Thank God we had the matches when we did. You know, and I and maybe I'm jumping to conclusions. Maybe I sound like a Debbie Downer with this Tommaso Ciampa thing. 
but it really is a bummer. Um, who knows? Maybe who knows? Maybe he'll go under, they'll do surgery on his neck, they'll realize, ah, oh, this isn't that bad, and he'll be back in two weeks. Who knows? Maybe this will all be baloney. But maybe it'll be a lot longer than two weeks. And that's a real shame. Um, not only for Gargano, but for, I mean, not only for Ciampa, but for Gargano as well. You know, I mean, it's it's really lousy timing as the Gargano Champa story was just starting to move into the next phase. And these two were making a major splash on the main roster to see something like this happen. Uh, I can only hope for a very, very successful neck surgery for Tommaso Ciampa. And hopefully he's back really, really, really soon because he's just such an asset to WWE and to NXT. He's, he's just, there's nobody like him right now. And I just, I, I just think the world of him. Um, so hopefully he'll be back soon and, 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 or at least we'll get some details into what this is going to look like as we look towards the future of Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, story number three on this week's State of Wrestling, it went down uh, on Monday Night Raw. We got the official Shield reunion. It seems like Roman Reigns is back uh, full force you know, ready to jump right back into things. Uh, and I think this is a changed Roman Reigns. I think that the gratitude that he's displaying is real life. It feels like real life. It smells like real life. It's, it's got the essence of real life. You know, it, 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 he, he comes across as a different guy after going through what he went through. And I, I would imagine that going through what he went through would leave you a different guy. You know, I would imagine that that's, that that's natural but I think it's forced, you know, you talk about uh, 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 phases and evolutions. I think it's forced Roman Reigns to evolve into the superstar that he always kind of wanted to be. Because he probably now, as much as he knew before, now really knows there's no second chances. No such thing as second chances. We have to make this happen now. So I love seeing Roman Reigns right now and what he's doing. The Shield reunion went down on Raw. Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and Roman Reigns. Dean Ambrose put his fist back in. I've got to tell you, it makes absolutely no sense to me. I understand if they want to get one more Shield match in, if Dean Ambrose is leaving WWE, as the internet says he is, and as WWE said he was. Michael Cole on Raw this week said Dean Ambrose leaving WWE. If Ambrose is really leaving, I guess I understand WWE wanting to get in one last Shield uh, reunion. But Dean Ambrose turned on Seth Rollins for no apparent reason on the night that Roman Reigns announced that he had to leave WWE because of leukemia, because he had leukemia. It's one of, it could go down. Really, if you just look at the one incident, right? Not everything that followed it, because quite frankly, most of what followed it was a letdown. But if you look at the one incident, you gotta believe that's one of the most evil uh, uh, turns in the history of betrayals in WWE. That's, I mean, the, the brutality of leaving your brother, quote unquote, when your other brother announces that he has this, he has cancer. Uh, it doesn't get much more evil than that. Especially when you never really get a justifiable explanation as to why that happened. I don't understand why the shield is, is, um, forgiving Dean Ambrose for his sins. And I don't know if he's making the choice to leave, just leave. I, I, I don't, 
I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. I would rather see Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns kick the crap out of, I mean, Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns kick the crap out of Dean Ambrose because he screwed up, you know? Roman Reigns should come back and have Seth Rollins back for having to deal with Dean Ambrose in his time gone, but instead, we're just putting the band back together one more time, and it feels like we're going back to the well, you know? I, I just don't, uh, I can't say that I understand it all that much. What I do understand is what else happened on Raw, and that gets to my story of the week uh, number two, which is the Ronda Rousey segment. Now, it does also seem abrupt that Becky Lynch is back in the title picture, and she's now got this match at Fastlane with Charlotte, where if she beats Charlotte, she's in the WrestleMania match. If she loses, she's out of WrestleMania for sure, for sure, for sure. No more complaining, no more belly aching, no more arguing about it. No ifs, ands, or buts. Becky Lynch goes home. Um, you know, I, I, I loved what Ronda Rousey did. Ronda Rousey told the truth on Raw. Ronda Rousey acknowledged the fact that, look, hardcore WWE fans are booing Ronda Rousey. Hardcore WWE fans, after last year's WrestleMania, hardcore WWE fans were on Ronda Rousey's side. Everybody in New Orleans was cheering Ronda Rousey, even if they walked into the match skeptical, because she had proven herself. And sometime between now and then, that's been lost. The WWE Universe's heart was stolen by Becky Lynch. And in that process, they decided to kind of give up on being supportive of Ronda Rousey. It was almost like in the beginning, they said, this is great. Ronda Rousey is really taking this seriously. But then so fast, it became, what have you done for me lately? That I don't know if Ronda Rousey knew what hit her. So I love that Ronda Rousey went out on Raw and and said, screw you to the fans and just said, look, like enough of all this nonsense and me trying to be happy to be here and everything. I'm the biggest star in the company. She said it without saying it. Ronda Rousey is the biggest star in the company. WWE is lucky to have her. And so the idea that she's got to put up with nonsense on Twitter from the people that she shares a locker room with, what she did on Raw was what everybody that's had to deal with Twitter trolls has fantasized about doing. Becky Lynch was bothering her on social media and Ronda Rousey went to the ring and pummeled her as Ronda Rousey should do. If you go after Ronda Rousey on social media, she should cram her fist down your throat. And my God, did it look real what she was doing to Becky Lynch. It looked fantastic. It looked real. It looked justified. And it reminded everybody, Ronda Rousey's not a joke. Ronda Rousey is here for real to do this thing. So let's do this thing. I thought it was great. I thought Ronda did a great job. It was some of uh, her best work so far. I love the new dynamic of where all this is going. Um, and I think it was. Uh, I think it was very, very justified. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to the Fastlane preview. Story number one, Fastlane coming up this Sunday. I'll be there in Cleveland to be a part of the kickoff show once again. I can't believe they keep asking me back. But I don't know. I think I'm just going to keep saying exactly how I feel on those kickoff shows and hoping that they just keep inviting me back. Who knows? Who knows? Fingers crossed, though, 
because this is looking like a doozy. I was thinking about this uh, just today after Raw and SmackDown because I went into this week going, okay, we're kind of on uh, thin ice with Fastlane. Not thin ice, but shaky ground in the sense that I don't know if we've established the strongest stories in the world for every match. But looking at the card now, after the work that was done on Raw and SmackDown, this is a significant card. There's a lot going on here on Fastlane this week, uh, and I'm pretty excited about it. I'm pretty excited about the pay-per-view. We found out that Rey Mysterio and Andrade are going to be on the pre-show. Rey versus Andrade is the pre-show match. I was really happy to see Zelina Vega uh, whip out the Frankensteiner the Huracan Rana on SmackDown this week uh, onto R-Truth. By the way, kind of surprised that R-Truth lost the U.S. championship so quickly. I enjoy R-Truth's antics very, very much. Very, very much. You know, I love the idea of Samoa Joe being a champion, and I like the idea of the championship not just being there so that R-Truth can have fun with it. But I really enjoyed R-Truth as champion. Short-lived as it was, I like hearing R-Truth come out and talk about his idol, John Cena, that he looked up to as a kid. I, I love all that stuff. Um, but I believe Andrade versus Rey Mysterio, uh, those two men will have one goal in mind, and that's to steal the show. I think that this match should be a WrestleMania match. Not, I, I think that, that that's what they should use this pre-show for. The WWE should use this pre-show to sell people on the idea that Rey Mysterio versus Andrade is one of the best matches available today in WWE. And I think they should really put some stipulations on this and bring these two to WrestleMania and not have them wrestle on the pre-show, have them wrestle on the main main. You know, I think that watching these two in front of a stadium full of people in the middle of a WrestleMania show, I think they would bring out the best in each other. And I think it would make stars... I mean, Rey Mysterio, you know, Rey Mysterio is as big a star as you're going to get in wrestling right now. But I think it would remind people and really shock people at how good he still is and then make a star out of Andrade. Leave WrestleMania with people going, Rey Mysterio still has still got it 100%. And my God, what about Andrade? What about Andrade? You know, I think this pre-show match uh, could very well steal the show. I think it's going to be great. Uh, you got a lot of titles on the line here. You got the Raw Tag Team Championship on the line, Triple Threat, the Revival versus Aleister Black and Ricochet versus Chad Gable and Bobby Roode. I like that Chad Gable and Bobby Roode are showing a little bit of attitude, but quite honestly, uh, this match to me comes down to the Revival and Aleister Black and Ricochet. Aleister Black and Ricochet, uh, I mean, if they never lose a match as a tag team, I would be okay with it. I just, I, I just think they're the best. When that music kicks on, when I find out that they're going to be in a tag team match together on Raw or SmackDown, I get excited for it. And there's not that many teams, you know, we get exposed to the product so much. There is so much wrestling on TV that there's not that many guys that you get excited just to see them. Whatever match is happening right now, if that person is involved, I'm excited. I'm excited when Aleister Black and Ricochet come out as a team. It excites me. At the same time, I'm not ready to see the Revival lose the Raw Tag Team Championship. You know, I think that they're great, but here's probably what I would like to see. I would like to see Aleister Black and Ricochet win the Raw Tag Team Championship. I think it would shock a lot of people, uh, and I think it would make a, a very bold statement that these NXT guys that just came up are the real deal. So I'd love to see them win the Raw Tag Team title. I would also like to see it happen in such a way where it results in the Revival 
wanting their rematch. And I would love to see the revival chasing Aleister Black and Ricochet in a two-on-two tag team match at WrestleMania. Let's have the rematch at WrestleMania itself and see and, and let the revival and Aleister and Ricochet just tear the house down. Because they have the ability to tear down MetLife Stadium. But I think the best case scenario for that would be if Aleister Black and Ricochet shocked the world at Fastlane and walked out the Raw Tag Team Champions of the world. Uh, you've also got the Women's Tag Team Championship on the line. I believe this is the first title defense of the Women's Tag Team Championship. It's uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Nia Jackson Tamina. I think that the Women's Tag Team Championship needs some significant establishing. You know, I think it really needs to be built up as a, as a true prize. I think that uh, coming out of this match, whoever wins should be defending the Women's Tag Team Championship on Raw and SmackDown on a regular basis. I mean, maybe every show for a little while. You know, and really get some victories. There, sh- there needs to be a lot of title defenses. The issue is, the last title that was introduced, I think, was the Universal Championship. And the Universal Championship is like, you know, half the time it's not even in the conversation. Because more often than not, Brock Lesnar is the champ. And he's barely on TV. Before that, Goldberg was the champ. He's barely on TV. Before that, Kevin Owens was the champ. And he was like a bad guy champion. So there's really not a lot of uh, a legacy that's been established for that universal championship. I think that that has to change for the women's tag team championship. And the women's tag team championship needs to be defended constantly. And really, let's build up a desire for it. So by the time we get to WrestleMania... You know, if you don't build up the titles as a major, major, major prize, then I don't think you're going to care enough to want to see your favorite team win those titles. We have to want those titles for a team. And maybe that means Sasha and Bailey need to lose the titles so that they can win them back. But I do think that uh, that this is the moment that we need to really start building up those those tag titles. And maybe that'll happen at Fastlane. Uh, you've also got the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Three, all three tag team titles are on the line. You got the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. It's the Miz and Shane McMahon challenging the Usos. Uh, of course, the Miz's dad is going to be at ringside at this point in the Miz's life. I don't know why he needs his dad's approval so much, but he wants it. He's looking for it, and God bless him for it. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the Usos win again. I don't exaggerate when I say I think that the Usos are the best tag team of the last decade. I think their promos are great. I think their matches are great. You know, I love them on SmackDown this week. I, I just, they're a team that feels like they keep evolving. They keep coming up with new stuff. And they're a team that I get excited when that music plays and they come out and grab microphones or get ready for a match or whatever it is. I get excited. I want to see what the Usos have for me this week. So I'd like that to continue, and I'd like it to continue with the Usos as the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Of course, you got the big uh, triple uh, six-man tag match, which is the Shield, Ambrose, Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin, Drew McIntyre, and Bobby Lashley. I can't picture the Shield losing. You know, this is Roman Reigns' triumphant comeback. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, I was talking earlier about how I'm not sure why this is even happening. I think part of it might be that they cannot confuse the audience. The WWE cannot afford to confuse the audience and make them think that Roman Reigns is the biggest star in the company. I think if you have Roman Reigns going solo, then all of a sudden, 
you know, the last thing you in the world that you want to do is take any luster away from Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is your guy going into WrestleMania in a match with Roman uh, with Brock Lesnar. I mean, that could have been a Freudian, Freudian slip unless you change it. Seth Rollins is the one that's getting that match. Seth Rollins is the one that won the Royal Rumble. So, you know, you have to keep the idea of Seth Rollins being the top good guy in the company alive without making it so that, you know, Roman Reigns is uh, uh, anything less than that. I, I don't think at this point, you know, even before Roman Reigns went away, it would have been tough to not take Roman Reigns as the top guy in the company. But now that he's come back, now that he's even a bigger hero than he ever was before, I think it's damn near impossible. So I think what WWE is doing is setting up a match like this where we can have the Roman Reigns moment and we don't have to worry about him overshadowing Seth Rollins because they're on the same team. So any any shine on Roman Reigns is shine on Seth Rollins. And I think that that's necessary. Uh, I, yeah, so I would think that they the Shield will win this match unless, A, they're going to have Dean Ambrose turn on them again, which would be crazy, possible, or B, they're going to set something up for Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. But I would imagine, you know, there'll be a lot of people tuning in to see Roman Reigns back in the ring for the first time since having leukemia, um, and they're going to want the moment of Roman Reigns' hands being raised in the air. And, and truly showing somebody who has triumphed over this horrible, horrible uh, illness. Um, so I would think that the Shield will win. You got Asuka versus Mandy Rose. I'm almost uh, afraid to say. that You know, they, SmackDown has done a very good job of making Ma Ra Mandy Rose seem like a credible opponent for Asuka. And part of that is because Asuka hasn't been on TV. And maybe that's by design. Because they want us to concentrate on Mandy Rose. Uh, but... The idea of Mandy Rose as champion isn't that far-fetched. I don't think it'll happen. You know, I'm really hoping that they've been strengthening Mandy Rose so it seems like an accomplishment when Asuka beats her. And between for the next month, between now and WrestleMania, they remind us all that Asuka is not one to be messed with. But quite honestly, at this point, I wouldn't be shocked if Mandy Rose walked out of there with the title. I hope it's Asuka, but I wouldn't be shocked if it went the other way. And finally, you've got your WWE Championship match, Kevin Owens versus Daniel Bryan. Um, you know, Kevin Owens and Daniel Bryan were phenomenal on SmackDown this week. That opening segment was incredible. I would love to know when Kevin Owens decided that, uh, speaking to people like you're better than them became a cardinal sin. When did Kevin Owens decide that you shouldn't be obnoxious and talk down to people? Because it's all Kevin Owens did for a very long time. Uh, nevertheless... I think that they're great rivals. You know, I mean, it goes back to those Ring of Honor days, watching these guys on the independents. If you told me that the pay-per-view before WrestleMania would be Kevin Steen versus Brian Danielson for the WWE Championship several years ago, I'd tell you you were crazy. But I'd be excited about it. And that's how I'm feeling right now. I just think it's so cool that these are the guys. Uh, I do think that Kofi Kingston, and, you know, some people were wondering why would you take Kofi arguably the biggest good guy in, on SmackDown for sure right now, and take him off the show. Why would this week, why would you have Kofi in India when everybody wants to see Kofi Kingston? And, you know, I think that the answer is because we are going for this match with Kevin Owens. We want people to forget about Kofi Kingston very, very temporarily, but I got a feeling that 
Daniel Bryan walks out of this match still the champion, and Kofi Kingston steps forward and takes that WrestleMania spot. I think the world wants to see the only reason why the WWE Universe is accepting the Kevin Owens-Daniel Bryan match is because the WWE Universe is expecting a Kofi Kingston-Daniel Bryan WWE Championship WrestleMania match. And I think WWE's got to do the make good. I think that this is the introduction to that, you know? I think it's going to be a fun show. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be good. Don't forget uh, to uh, head on over to patreon.com slash notsamwrestling um, and uh, and be a part of what we're doing over there. Uh, video, early podcast, the whole deal. It starts at less than a dollar a week. So uh, go for it. Uh, and uh, on our way out this week, I got to tell you that uh, bluechew.com is bringing you the first chewable FDA-approved active ingredients to enhance your performance in the bedroom. Everybody's got to do it. You spend so much time watching wrestling. Go up and impress your partner, and you can impress them with a little bit of Blue Chew. It's not just for guys with dysfunction. It's for any guy who wants to get a little extra confidence in bed. Boy, you go up there with Blue Chew confidence, they're not going to know what hit them. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free. When you use promo code ROBERTS, just pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code ROBERTS. Try it for free. Go to BlueChew.com. Put that promo code ROBERTS in. Try it. You'll be confident. You'll be feeling like a million bucks. It's going to be great. And you know what else is going to be great? When I see you all next week right here on Not Sam Wrestling. Until then, toodaloo. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.